Hi, everyone, and welcome to Oscar Poker. This is Sasha Stone with AwardsDaily.com. And this is Jeffrey Wells with HollywoodElsewhere.com. And we are here uh, on a Sunday morning, October 1st. And um, we're going to talk about, well, the writer's strike is over. The actor's strike still is not over, which means that there's still very little publicity happening uh, with the Oscar movies to sort of move the needle. Almost almost nothing, really. Um, It's a total flat line. Nobody ever listens to what a director or a certain, much less a writer has to say, no. or an editor, or the composer, or anybody. So it's going to be basically, and, and have you identified, has anyone tried to, to zero in on the actors? Uh, re, you know, it's all, it's about, again, AI and whatnot, but I wonder <laughs> in what ways it overlaps with the writers who have already come to an arrangement. I wonder if there's any anything that... Uh, I really yeah. don't know, but I was I was I woke up this morning with a with a horrible epiphany about our our world, thinking that we have mm-hmm. reached the singularity. We're to a point where I forgot what it was that I saw that AI had done. It was some amazing mm-hmm. thing, and I thought, you know, we don't even need people anymore. So what are we going to be? We're just going to be these consumers screaming at each other online and buying stuff. Because AI can do everything. It can't be creative. It can't create an original idea, at least not yet. Um, it, it, they, it's, it, 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 yeah, it, it takes and assimilates and makes a new, in a sense. But think of how much AI already has control over our lives, just on a daily basis, you know, from our maps um, to our notifications, to our um, algorithms when we search for something, um, to what we pay attention mm-hmm. to in the news. Like, we are essentially, if you're online, you're, you're under the complete control of this, of these invisible hands. It's a really mm-hmm. strange thing to think about. But I was wondering, mm. like, they could easily just make a movie now. Look at the, some of the stuff they're doing on on YouTube with AI and creating. They created a whole Barbenheimer movie just using AI. Yeah, I mean, arguably, and that's not much of an argument. It's not much of a difficult argument. Um, superhero films have been AI ish. Yeah. For ever, forever. I mean, it's like, oh no, they're going to do this. Wrote expected cliche thing and then this is going to happen exactly do they have any you know there there have been a a a few a very few that have sort of broken out and and done seem they seem to have actual real writers uh behind them but awful an awful lot of them are just soul stifling soul smothering well the 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 formula was making them if you go back and you look at the worldwide box office prior to covid um really in that one window of time where it was just after the Harry Potter franchise series showed that you could make a lot of money with sequels if they were good sequels. Mm-hmm. Not good. I didn't think they were good, but you know what I mean? They're they're unexpected. They're original stories, whatever they are. They're not sequels per se. They're just different parts of a story. Lord of the Rings did the same thing. Um, and then they just saw these like $600, $700 million franchise and and then the global profits were just and you you just look at them over that 10 year period which is right around the same mm-hmm. time as the oscars kind of shit the bed people don't really want to say that but they did they just became insular and weird and self-reflecting and 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 they became about just, themselves and about their own about themselves utopia. and their own utopia mm-hmm. and their own sort of royal court whatever it is the navel gazing is just at this point i think is is becoming boring and but at the same time they can't compete with this kind of profit in these especially Disney but a lot of these corporations are corporations 
are making so mm-hmm. were making so much money, and they were making a lot of money on China. Well, then China decided that they didn't want to keep fund, you know, making our movies profitable. So they built up their own industry, and there we talked about this before, so we don't have to go over it again. But the but their movies mm-hmm. are, you know, became blockbusters, and then they became very selective about what movies they would allow to play in China. From mm-hmm. our, you know, they they became competitive just before COVID hit. They were very competitive. COVID sort of brought everything, even China, to its knees in terms of movies and profits. But if you look at your average superhero movie, Aquaman, for instance, that easily could have not just been written by AI, but it could have been starring it. Every single Performed. one. <laughs> yeah, you're right. None of those performances were good. They're they're fueled completely on star power, which basically doesn't exist anymore. Um, to the extent that it does exist, if you can sell it, if you can be Margot Robbie in Barbie, and you can be Killian Murphy in Oppenheimer, you can sell celebrity still. But mm-hmm. the internet has changed everything, TikTok and YouTube, such that it, it you know it was a great leveler, right? So so people mm-hmm. anybody could be famous online, and so the celebrities lost a lot of their value and now it just looks like a class differential you know it's really weird like they they act like they can sort of mingle among us the celebrities like Gwyneth Paltrow people like that but they can't mm-hmm. because they're in such a massively higher income bracket than most of us that it, you know might as well mm-hmm. be a different world entirely but at the same time their celebrity has lost its value for the general public that's true they are they are living on an entirely different planet and a different solar system, really. Uh, but you're right about the um, because they're very accessible. They're they're all talking about themselves on social media anyway, except for who Tom Cruise and maybe uh, yeah, um, Brad Brad Pitt and you know a few are avoid it. You know, but basically it's uh, there's no exotic, uh, there's no thrill in in uh, in getting to. Hmm. know these people because they're pretty pretty accessible already exactly yeah we willfully they used to serve a purpose because we'd come in from our this went going all the way back to the 1930s you know during the depression but all the Hmm. way through really um i love looking at different eras and the movies and the public like the 30s were different from the 40s were different from the 50s were different from the 60s and you just watch Mm -hmm. the evolution of society through the kinds of movies that they were playing and the kind of people that went to go see them and how much money they made and stuff like that but in general for most of that time up until recently social media celebrities were our gods and our goddesses we'd come in there and we'd look at their giant beautiful faces on screen you know and that would be an experience for us and and that's why they were mm-hmm. on such a different level um mm-hmm. i guess you could say they still exist in like taylor swift is sort of a big celebrity beyonce um is sort yeah. of right um but the movie stars the movie stars even tom cruise it's like I, we all expected him to be the last movie star but then mission impossible much to my complete shock did not make that much money uh, compared to what we thought, well, it it did compared to what we expected it to make, but it obviously was a was a big thing. People went to see it in droves. It just didn't become a a legend or a huge hit like Barbie and Oppenheimer. It was surprising, very surprising. Hmm. I don't know how to explain it. That I heard this immediately after uh, the first weekend of uh, Mission Impossible. This was uh, Bill McCarty back east talking to some friends in East Hampton. And um, they said, one guy said, That's an, that was an awful long haul just to get hold of a key. 
you know, uh, a <laughs> physical key or yeah. two keys, I should say. And uh, he said, uh, you know, and they were basically they were saying, we're going to go through all this just for the end of part one. I mean, uh, part two. OK, that's different. But, uh, you know, they were obviously quite skeptical from the get go. And I didn't I don't invest myself in these plots because I they're really about style and and how tightly done and how um you know how witty and how much fun they are mm. um i got i got lost frankly during the venice part when they recap everything and they're talking about what has happened and what should ha- what might happen and how to play their cards i i was thinking this is slowing down and i think that this should but then i completely got very enthused during the last portion, particularly the train sequence. It was odd. Yeah, they looked at it and they said, Mission Impossible, a movie I've already seen a million times, the same movie over and over again. And this mm-hmm. is only part one. Yeah. So, like, why should I invest myself in part one? You know, I, I mean, I think, I think that there was just something about that that was unappealing. Mm-hmm. But also what he will tell you... Uh, and so, so went the press leading up to it. Was that he didn't want to? He didn't want to open right after the Barbenheimer phenomenon because it would just wipe wipe away the excitement of that movie. As it was, they opened what two weeks before. Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, it got stepped on very quickly. I think it mm-hmm. had two weeks in IMAX theaters, and then yeah, Barbie just it. destroyed. But Barbie is, you know, a movie that absolutely speaks to kind of the moment of what people really wanted to see. They wanted to see something funny um, Mm -hmm. with these, these big, they are big stars, Mm -hmm. Ryan Gosling and, and, um, and, you know, it didn't look like it was going to be an agonizing woke thing from the outset, you know, and even if it was, it was still going to be funny and fun enough that it forgave all of that. Mm -hmm. Um. I don't know if if you agree or not, but I, I still say I, trust your initial reactions. Trust them because they're not you're not lying to yourself. And if you're just let it out right away, that's what you think. And my thought was this is pretty punchy and a lot of fun uh, in a in a way. I certainly enjoyed the the energy and the and the and the. It was you know it was tight. And it was nicely. I, I enjoyed the the mood and the attitude, but I didn't enjoy, and I don't think it really holds together about how uh, basically the misandry, the evil of guys in general, white guys in general, uh, who are um, you know really bad news, and they have to be overcome and basically put in their box and treated like children and sent to you know it's basically it's not a reflection of the world that I have an awareness of I go out in the world I I, I know what life is like and um, I don't worship white guys but I don't think that they're idiots and I don't think they're morons and I don't think that they should be shat upon in this way <laughs> but, but they I th- are there clearly are well I think still. I think in this movie she's she is a little winking at that a little bit you know the patriarchy I get it yeah she's not completely losing her mind in rage I understand no that. it's yeah. not strident and they're not really I mean the the weird thing about it is I saw this woman on TikTok talking about this and she said she took her girls to see this movie her young teenage girls and they mm-hmm. were so excited to see a movie that they heard was about female empowerment and uh, that celebrates womanhood and everything. And she said, all they could talk about on the way home was Ken. 
and how much they loved Ken and how much they mm-hmm. loved all. And that's so to a lot of people, that's the best part of the movie. So either that's a mistake by Greta Gerwig or it's a sly way of saying, you know, we actually celebrate the men um, because they're funny. And uh, I mean, I don't. Funny, but in a dopey, silly way, though. I mean, this guy, Ken is completely delusional from start to, to finish. He's I know, but he's it's funny. I, I don't know how to explain it except to say that. Um, they're making fun of themselves in a way that the women don't don't get to. And that's why the women are boring and the men are interesting. The women should have been making... My daughter said that to me. She said they were almost there. She mm-hmm. said if they'd just go on one step further and made fun of and been more meta about the identity politics on display, mm-hmm. it would have been much more genius. Meaning, you know, make fun of the fact that they have to have, you know, an, a, every type of person represented. And it would have been so funny if, if the girls were like, yeah, I'm representing, you know, the ableist community because you have to have one person representing the ableist and I'm representing the, the plus size women, the fat mm-hmm. women. Yeah. And then that's my job, but I'm stuck in this role for life. How would you like that? Right. I've mm-hmm. got to eat constantly to maintain this figure so that I can be this person in this movie so mm-hmm. that people won't get mad. Like if they had gone that far, I would have been, over the moon in love. But of course, they're not there yet because everybody's still sin- still so, so sincere. Mm-hmm. And movies have to reflect what society should be and how we all should behave and how we all should think. Um, they're not, we're not to the part of the counterculture yet where they're going to start making fun of themselves, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, they're just all too serious. Everybody's so serious. But having said that, whenever I see a Barbie clip on anywhere, I smile and I enjoy it because it's, you know, especially the Ken dance is just a level of genius that I, I vastly underestimated. You're talking about the, the musical scene that he does towards the end of the film, correct? Yeah. It's a song and a dance, correct? Uh, but whatever it is, it's like I, I felt like in that moment I underestimated Greta Gerwig's talent. That mm-hmm. she could have come up with that. Like, that is just pure genius. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really loved that part of it. Um, mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, people, a lot of people don't take it, just don't take it too seriously. They just go and have a good time. I got um, to say that I'm, I'm kind of rooting for the failure of Greta's next film, which, you know, she's not really her film, but she wrote it. She co-wrote it. And that's the Snow White film. Uh, that people had a lot of oh, the kick around a lot, and that is coming. Is it the sometime in the summer of twenty four? I'm not remembering exactly, but I think it's soon. It's certainly next year. I don't know exactly. When. Well, they have a shit storm on their hands. I don't know how they're going to handle it. One of the things yeah. uh, advantages that Barbie had is that they got it out before people like Critical Drinker or whatever could start talking about it. They just didn't let them see it. You know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but but Snow White, they've all been you know flapping their gums about it constantly. Mm-hmm. So remember, this is the I mean, um, Rachel has been saying basically it's not about the you know it's not about true love and it's not about the prince mate bring bringing her uh, out of the coma and all the happiness that comes with that. It's really about uh, her being the leader that she is born to be. This is absurd. This is ridiculous. It's a complete detonation of the whole mm-hmm. fantasy, the whole mythology of Snow White that that many gener- generations, not not really believing that that's, that that's a real scenario where little men, you know, take care of you, you take care of them, and you help them clean up the, the house, and then 
Mm. You know, the, the Wicked Witch, you know, all that is just it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's this kind of Disney eyes fantasy, Grimm Brothers uh, fantasy that, that nobody took seriously that seriously. But they still they, they felt the emotional core of it. That's what I did. And I wasn't even into that whole thing. I've always felt that. And you know what I did? You following your example, didn't you say you, re, you rewatched Snow White? Yeah, I did that. About three weeks ago, I just was curious. I just thought, gee, I, I thought, yeah, I've never even watched this in, in decades. And I really liked it. Me it's too. Really good. It's a beautiful, perfect film. That's a movie you can show your little granddaughter. Yeah. Um, I, I thought this is the most beautiful movie. Here she is, you know, she's at one with nature and with the little animals that love her and they're following her around. I mean, what could be more beautiful? And when she's singing for her one true love, it's just, it's her about her pure heart. It's about... Mm-hmm. love for this person like the whole movie is about love it's not about sexual assault or whatever yeah, um yeah. And, and you know it's not about the man rescuing her or anything yeah. like that it's it's about her yearning for true love and that's what's so beautiful about it it reminds You're me talking of this, about the song someday my prince will come yeah right? and the whole yeah. point of him coming and kissing her and waking her up for the true love's kiss Mm-hmm. That they're apparently taking out because it it violates consent, which is just hilarious. Like, why are you trying to ruin our lives, you crazy people? Jeez, God! I mean, the, the <laughs> Gerwig version is being is removing the, the kiss at the end. Yes, correct? because little okay. Gen Zers, little zealots standing right. on the corner screeching about consent will get mm-hmm. upset. It's a rape movie. It's about <laughs> rape. It's uh, certainly about uh, you know taking control and 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 you know suffocating a woman's spirit by kissing her when she's in a coma. Absolutely, that's, that's, and it's yeah. it's also just beautifully about je- the jealousy of women. I love that because the queen is so jealous about uh, Snow of White, you, yeah, you know, being a, a someone younger and yeah. Her- her looks are gone and all that. And that's another great thing that, that the movie taught. It's just a beautiful film. It's so truthful. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that joke. Um, there was an mm-hmm. old joke I used to that, that used to go around that said, you know, you're mm-hmm. walking, you, you know, you have a director, a producer, and a writer walking through the desert. And they come upon this beautiful oasis. It's this beautiful pond that's clear, perfect for drinking. And mm-hmm. the producer, you know, whips out his dick and starts peeing in it. And the and the writer says, "What are you doing?" And he says, "Don't worry, I'm making it better." <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's supposed to be some joke about Hollywood, like probably yeah. one. It's 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 a, like you know, if you want to, it's a, that other joke is if you go to Hollywood and you sleep with the writer, you know, it's like that's a way to <laughs> the dumb thing to do. That's but the, um, the Polish actress does that. Yes, Polish actors. We're, we're not allowed to make Polish jokes. Yeah. yeah. Um. But but that. That's the, I am I do have some Polish people in my family, so uh, I guess I can make that joke if I want. But um, but anyway, that's what always reminds me of the Snow White thing. It's like you know the woke thing is like that. Don't worry, we're making it better. No, you mm. never are. <laughs> never, never, yeah, never. Not this time. Not any time. It always <laughs> ruins the movie. <laughs> mm. uh, I could just generally say this uh, as much as I am completely in lockstep. Comrade to comrade I, with you about about uh, woke oppression and particularly um, the LGBTQ trans stuff and the mutilation of children by their parents. And I know it's not numerically profound or hi- highly significant, but it is happening. I think that 
that when we focus or talk about that, people get the idea that this is it as far as our view of life. And it's not. It's just there's, there's a whole universe of feeling and emotion and intuition and, and everything. It's, it's a wonderful world that I live in and I know that you live in. But I think we should tr struggle or try to not convey that we're zeroed in on the on transmutation of children, et cetera, et cetera. It makes it sound like we're fanatical. And I'm not fanatical, and I know you're not. Well, define fanatical. What do you mean? Uh, that that a, a, a certain issue has uh, taken hold of you to the extent that that the normal balance and the flow and the universality of life has been pushed out, and the and the one issue has become this big thing. That's well, I think fanatic. I don't know. I mean, there are two different things. Woke movies, you know, is something you just have to learn to deal with and learn to live with. It's sort of like the right. God, God movies of the nineteen fifties, where you had like the Ten Commandments. It's the same kind of thing. The utopia of the nineteen fifties mm. is similar to the utopia of now, and you have the same sort of situation, which is. Oppressing a, a you know a, a, a simmering ca ca um, counterculture, which is about mm -hmm. to come and rise up behind this one, same as in the 1950s. It's going to take a while, but uh, eventually it will. Um, but the trans issue with youth is a whole different thing. Uh, that's actually something that is an urgent, necessary. Of course it is, but it but it medical it, like, scandal that that requires absolute being a Churchill and not a Chamberlain about. Exactly. Well, good. Well put. Churchill, not Chamberlain. Exactly. I completely, completely concur with that. So, but I get this feeling that, that that people think that by people uh, you mean your commenters or well, among others. I don't know how widespread that sense. I don't know to what extent that people are. I know that outside of our particular little orbits in the East and West Coast, I think that most. Americans, most sensible average Americans are disgusted by it. And I, I think that there's no question about that. But within our orbits, uh, we sound like... Well, okay. Well, anybody that... The, 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 put it this way. The loudest people are the wokest people. The people yeah. who are too afraid to speak out are mm -hmm. the majority. And I, yeah. I talk to so many people all the time. 99% mm -hmm. of them. I don't think I know anybody that is pro this kind of woke doctrine in movies. Not one. They're just yeah. afraid to say so. Right. And they won't say so because they have to be status quo or they'll get mercilessly attacked. But I understand if you feel like you're constantly under assault by your commenters and you would like to feel more um, flexible in your you know, dialogue mm -hmm. and stuff. You know, mm -hmm. I get that. I, I have a little bit of that on my site. Like I don't... Mm -hmm. You know, I do still remember that, you know, it was a white industry for so long that you have to remember that, it, you know, shaking the tree was really hard and mm -hmm. fighting for rights was, was really difficult. But, you know, that still doesn't mean you, you, sh you have the right to sort of destroy art or science or journalism or anything in the process because you still need to have access to the truth. What's the truth? Yeah. Art has been certainly heavily banged up not destroyed absolutely but mauled and and muffled it's been it's been a pretty rough five years if i guess it would, i mean you say the great awakening in 20 i say it's began in 1718 but it's been a pretty pretty rough time no question about it and uh, how, how often uh, how frequently or how regularly do people 
speak like you and I, like say, well, the last five years have been a little bit odd. It's been, um, you know, it's been oppressive. It's been Stalinist. It's been, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, most many people that I get, I don't think they've actually put those words into their heads and, and, and had that kind of vocabulary, that kind of discussion. Well, but they, they don't, I don't think that they need to because they are living in a cocoon, you know, that protects them and they don't have to ever be challenged by it. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. you, you know, you only watch MSNBC or CNN no, I don't. Or, and Bill Maher and, you know, everything in your sphere of reality confirms everything that, that most people think. Bill Maher challenges it a little bit, but ultimately mm-hmm. um, he's still going to be a person of the left. Um, and What's the wrong thing, with that? There's nothing wrong with being a liberal, a classic liberal. Well, I think you can look at it two different ways. You can look at policy, which I still consider myself liberal on, meaning you know, healthcare and abortion, um, and the environment, stuff like that. That's all. Yeah. Those things haven't changed, but that's not what it is to be a liberal now. There is no such thing as no, a liberal. That, classic liberalism is classic. That's what Marr describes himself as. I describe myself as that. It's what's happening on the left is, is, is absolutely a different thing. I know, but what people don't understand is that, so what? You know, you're not going to change anything by being... Mm-hmm in the middle like that. You're just not because all that's going to happen is you spare yourself people thinking badly of you, but ultimately you're not going to move the needle or change anything because they can't cross over. They can't pierce the membrane. They can't ever get to that point where Saturday Night Live can make fun of itself or Barbie could make fun of itself. Mm-hmm. They're never going to do that. They can't. So it's not, it's not going to make a difference if Bill, Bill Maher is like a release valve for people like you who are going crazy but still don't want to abandon everything that you believe in, and he mm-hmm. makes you feel good for a night. My mom is the same way. She loves Bill Maher and listens to him and, and loves him. <laughs> um, because, do you watch TV with her much now that she's very close, that she's close to you? I won't say where you are, but now that you're not that far from her physically? Not really. I don't. First of all, I don't really watch TV much. Um, okay. But no, I, I, w- I mean, if I went up there, I'm, I'm sure I would have to watch something with her. But, um, but mm. you know, she, yeah, no, not really. Um, What's the, um, so how do you know she's a big Bill Maher fan? Because she just tells you. No, we talk it? all the time. Yeah. She loves him. Okay. I love, you know, she always says, I love Bill Maher. I, I think mm-hmm. exactly like Bill Maher. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. right with him on everything, you know. Right, so right. she does. And I understand that. Um, I don't agree mm-hmm. with him that uh, Biden was a good president and got us out of Afghanistan. Um, 13 soldiers died. It destabilized the Middle East. That was not a success. In fact, that was the moment that his approval numbers dipped low and That's have true. never recovered. That's true. It was not well planned. It was sloppily planned. And uh, it should have been more, I don't know, uh, advanced thought, more careful, strategic. Uh, it was, you know, inc- yeah, it was arrogant and careless. Yeah. And it's what happens when you're not afraid of the press. Because he's mm. not. He doesn't have to be because they're so nice, light touch with him. But anyway, uh, no. we don't have to get into that politics most, too much. Most but. of them, many, many of them are on the on the train of like, does he really need to run? Is it, are we better off if he does run? Isn't it possible? I know, but if, if Bill Maher is saying, you know, he's just an old, nice guy and he's done a great job, that's not an argument for him. No, he didn't say that. He said he is a nice guy. He has done a, a, a relative. No, he's not happy with everything, but he's done a relatively good job. But he's going to lose. That's what he said two nights yeah, ago. Yeah, I know, but that's not a good way to get. That's pretty That's pretty extreme, no? I guess. I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not come see, come saw. That's like 
fire alarm. Well, I don't mm. really see it that way. I see that he hired Rachel Levine and he made uh, gender affirming care his policy. Um, mm. And that meant that a lot of young girls and young men, you know, are under the Democrats rule will have to grow up without their body parts and without sexual function and some of them sterilized. And when they hit you're about... You're completely right. You're completely and, and, right. Yeah, you and just, to me, you're that's doing a, what I just, I just told you about five minutes ago. We're, we sound like we're one note, you know, hard cases as far as this one particular issue. You I know, know but it's it a pretty us, big issue. It's like eugenics. It's a huge issue. I agree. I, I particularly feel it. I'm, I, all I'm no, saying about God. that is that I don't have wiggle room on a medical scandal where it comes to Biden, and I don't understand why Bill Maher does, and it's okay with him. Like, if I were him and he cared as much as I did, he would be saying, no, we have to vote the Democrats out right now because of what they're doing, unless they can get a grip. Period. Like, there's to me, this is a Churchill-Chamberlain thing, you know? Do, do the right thing. Just get him out. Get them out. If they can't say, you know, we're going to protect kids, then they don't deserve to be in power. And listen, I, I understand if people are upset about that and they want to hear, like, I don't know, a podcast with Mark Duplass or someone like that, you know, who's... <laughs> Mark Duplass is a big wokester, isn't he? Exactly. Well, that's what I mean. Like, if that's what they want, they've got, you know, an abundance. That's, that's 99% of the content out there agrees with mm. their way of thinking, right? Mm. But I mean, at the same time, I'm not as hardline as, say, Matt Walsh, where, you know, I, I'm not anti-trans. I think if, if you're an adult and your, your frontal lobe is developed and you want to, you know, you feel more comfortable having surgeries, go for it. And living as a woman, I don't care. As long as you're 18 or older, right? That's kind of where I I, I personally think it should be 25 or older. Okay, okay, 25. Sure. Because okay. you don't have your fu- your brain fully developed until you're 25. Right. But that's not, nothing you can legislate. Once they're 18, they can do what they want. But, mm. but I, you know, I, I'm haunted by this video, the videos of the detransitioners. One guy got his balls chopped off and he has to live his whole life now as a castrated eunuch. That's right. And he's never, never became a woman. Right. Mm-hmm. And, the, and these young women who chop off their breasts and go on, um, build their platforms on social media, then, then grow up and like, wait a second, I want to have babies. And now I don't have any breasts. Mm. What happened to me? You know, that one person felt that way to me was enough to put the brakes on. They would do yep. that if it was a medication that makes you sterile. They would they would stop it. And, um, anyway, we don't have to go into yeah. a whole thing here. Okay. But I'm just saying it's not a usual woke issue, that particular issue for me. The woke stuff I could just comment on. I don't mm. see it as an emergency. It's just a, a, a trend. Right. It's a trend. Could I ask you one thing just to switch over very suddenly? Mm. Yesterday, I, for no particular reason at all, other than that it was 60 years ago, 60, excuse me, 62 years ago, I wrote about this initial review of, uh, of Bob Dylan at Gertie's Folk City, which was in September 29th of 61. And a music critic who died actually 23 plus five, 28 years ago, his name is Robert Shelton who had changed his name from Robert Shapiro, but he was from Chicago. And he's the one who basically told everybody in the music industry and anybody reading the New York Times that this guy had something. And he was, he was definitely a, a standout. Mm. And that's what started the whole Dylan thing. And I was uh, sort of reading about the guy's uh, life and history. And I happened to, you know, as I always do, whenever I'm looking at the New York Times files, I looked over at the films playing in September of 61. And I was uh, thinking about the film world we have now. And I was just wondering, 
could I ask you, and this is, I'm not trying to be superior because I'm older than you and, you know, I've seen a lot of these. Films. Can I just run these titles by and you can yeah. just tell me which ones you've, you know, you're, you've maybe seen once or at least want to see. Okay, just starting at the top, The League of Gentlemen. Not seen British it. film. Okay, okay, never on Sunday. Not seen it. <laughs> you really? Uh, no, it's so sad. <laughs> I know. No, I haven't. Uh, that was that was that's a classic. Right. Yeah, La it, Dolce, Fellini's La Dolce Vita. Yes, of course. Yes. Okay. All right. How about the Young Doctors with Ben Gazzara, Frederick March, Eddie Albert? I didn't see it. Okay. Mm. I I don't think I've actually seen that either. How about the world of Susie Wong with William Holden? Mm-mm. I love William Holden. That's a Holden. no-go. Okay. All right. Um, how about Saturday night and Sunday morning, a kitchen sink film with no. Lawrence Harvey? No, but these all sound really interesting. I like that. Uh, I'm, not, see, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say Sasha shouldn't should see more film. I'm just saying, I'm just curious because you're, you know, you're, you're pretty sharp. You, you've got the whole world pretty, pretty covered. Um, uh, how about, let me see, uh, The Honeymoon Machine, a stupid comedy with Steve McQueen and uh, Jim Hutton. No? Mm-mm. Okay. No. Uh, how about uh, uh, this, con- uh, let me see, um, Rocco and His Brothers, the Italian classic with uh, Alain Delon. No? Mm-mm. No, but all okay. of them sound good. I mean, if you send me that list, maybe I'll try to work through them. Mm. How about uh, Purple Noon, the that uh, later remade as uh, as the as the Matt Damon thing, uh, the um, the talented Mr. Ripley? Oh no, I didn't even know there was a a prequel to that. I yeah, mean, not well, the, a prequel, the original but... version. It was basically based on the Patricia Highsmith novel. Mm-hmm. And um, how about Victoria De Sica's Two Women? One of the most I have seen uh, that strongest. Uh, Okay. All right. But when where do you, you where, where do you, you get these lists from? Uh, it's strictly out of the ads in the New York Times on September 29th, nineteen sixty one. Oh come on! Those were all playing in the movie theaters. Yeah, at the same time. All yeah. those movies you just mentioned. Yeah. You've got to be kidding I'm me! Telling you, it was it was, <laughs> it was a very fertile and amazing time, and this is just mainstream stuff. This wasn't tiny little art house films. This was. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, the reason that they, a lot of the reason that sparked the counterculture in film was films from foreign countries because the yep. conservative, uh, dominant conservatives had, you know, a, it was so oppressive in film, these God movies and everything. You remember the movies of the 1950s, yeah. how buttoned up. There's there's film noir, of course, but, you know, because they had they were struggling at the box office, they needed, and, and the rise of television, they needed to offer something more exciting at the movies. And they were drawing from, from mm-hmm. a lot of the foreign films that were coming in. Yeah. And they were very influential at that time. Uh, but that's changed the movies here because of that. Yeah. It's exciting. How God. about the light comedy? The light comedy called "Come September" with Rock Hudson, Gina Lola Bidjeda, uh-uh. Sandra Dean. There, okay. That was I'd love to look at, at these movies at the box office and see how much money they made. I think that I I know the two women. It was a significant, you know, art house. You know, if you believed in in European cinema, that was a big thing, as I recall. Mm. Um, 
Um, and I remember that didn't Sophia Loren get nominated as at least nominated for Best Actress out of that film? She that was like post post war, you know, mother and a daughter trying to survive in a horrible predatory environment after the defeat of Germany and in fascism. Uh, it was quite something. Wow. Um, it, it's interesting because, you know, I wonder who was going to see those movies. I mean, it was you, right? It was you and your, your friends going to see all these movies. No, actually, my, my parents went to see them. I didn't pick up on these films because I was an idiot. And, you know, but I, but I, you know, I, I did see The Hustler. That was something that was happening right then. Do you, did you ever see that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Paul Newman. So were, okay. your, were your parents kind of like Mad Men? Was it sort of that that kind of thing? Yeah. My father was a cynical, well, largely cynical, uh, um, <clears throat> um, martini drinking advertising man who would come home and it was really not a lot of fun to be around but <laughs> because the, his, his best buzz was on the train where we would have a drink. And then when he got home, it's that second, third buzz. You're not as much fun. No, never. But, uh, and he did, he did enjoy his job for what it's worth. He really did. He had a good time. And he was, um, it was his peak as an ad, ad guy. He was a account exec and creative, and he used to travel a lot. And he had his, uh, at least one affair that I know of with some woman out in California, and my mother found out about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was not uh, pleasant. But the, um, that was his, uh, he was really quite the guy back then. But he was not a lot of fun as a human being, or much less as a dad. <laughs> I got to be honest, it's just the way it was. Yeah. It was not someone you want to like, oh, come on, dad, can we talk about this? I'd like to, you know, you're older than me. You've got that experience you can pass along. You've been through what I'm, can you tell me what you think? Forget it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was not happening. You know, but um, otherwise, uh, yeah, that's where they were. So um, it wasn't, it wasn't a very pleasant uh, culture. It really wasn't. It was all about no, 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 no. You're going to fuck yourself up. You're hanging with the wrong people. Mm. You're an anarchist. You have no, you know, you do something, at least get half decent grades. How are you going to get to college? All that stuff. You know? Yeah. The, uh, pretty, the, that's, that's, pretty, you know, that's what birthed the, the hippies and the boomers. That whole, that whole oppressive vibe that made them want to go and reinvent the world. You know, it was quite a time. A, right. And people, uh, when they decided between, say, 65, 66 and, I don't know, Nixon's resignation, that whole period, uh, a lot of people just got off the whole career track, the whole finding a good job, the whole, you know, it was it was very uh, free form and, and not very structured. So uh, I didn't really decide, gee, I think I might want to become an adult until around that time. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I decided that there was more to it than just the moments, the beautiful transcendent moments the cosmic moments yeah so a lot of people waited for a long time and it was a huge amazing like seven eight year time out for a lot of people and it was, I, i've never known that kind of happiness uh, the, the truth is i did know a lot of happiness with friends and women that i knew and everything it was really quite and it wasn't completely ap- lacking in <clears throat> concern and anxiety and you know self-loathing on some levels, but I had so many great times uh, with so many different people and so much adventure that I, uh, I never, once I became serious about life and decided I was going to become a journalist, uh, then it was struggle. Then it was agony. 
then mm-hmm. I was like in for in for real uh, feelings of 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 of, of self loathing uh, self I wasn't good enough you know I, not loathing but I just didn't like what I, how my 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 talents my supposed gifts as, as a writer which were very minimal <clears throat> so it's not it's not pleasant I didn't start to actually get happy again in life until I got going as a journalist around 80 then it started to okay it's not so bad it's, now it's getting a little bit better but boy there was a really rough period for about six seven years man yeah, I had to be honest. That's the way it was. But you loved. You always tell me how much you loved it when you were your your site was doing really well with with money and you know you and I were making. Oh, that was the that, that, that was the best time. You know, the best time was '06 until <clears throat> until they started to uh, you know try to kill me in uh, '19 and '20. So that was like 14 years, almost you know almost 15 years of, of real gravy. It was wonderful. That was God. the happiest time, uh, business wise and professional wise, and and writing wise too, because you know the whole um, the whole blog format, um, the whole you know stream of consciousness yeah. really dip into it. You know, was, I was freed from having to be a journalist in the modes of the L.A. Times, New York Times, and other um, outlets that hired me for freelance stuff. They wanted a certain kind of article with a certain structure, you know, and I and I did that. But I, I think that the writing wise, the the whole. Um, I mean, I was, I really think I found something exceptional. I know you've, you know what I'm talking about. When the, when the column started to really take off, we had the freedom to really just, you know, write whatever we want in any way that we want. It was really pretty amazing. I was pretty delighted that that was happening. That was a part of the happiness of the 06 to, well, actually, my column began in 98. So it's actually 98 to 1890. So like, call it 20 years, call it 20 years. Although I didn't really have any decent money until I was sick. That's why I said I was sick before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when they started uh, advertising on on the blogs away from the trades. Yeah. Because the blogs are becoming too noisy and too influential. Um, right. Yeah. Which they still are. Noisy. Yeah. And, and basically the, the entire Oscar race is now just the blogs. Mm. Well, this, yeah, the blogs and TikTok. There's More no there there, right? Like I saw this this tweet by this site called Christopher Nolan Updates, and they had a tweet that mm-hmm. said, "Next best picture, which is Matt Neglia's site, predicts Oppenheimer will win in picture, director, screenplay, supporting actor, and then it had all these other Oscars." Um, and supporting I was, actor, who's that? Who Rob, that Robert Downey Jr. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's legit. Okay, but the yeah, thing I, is, I is that. Is that that person, you know, has good intentions and all, but they don't understand how the whole stupid game plays out. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the Oppenheimer is set up as the front runner, and everybody knows yeah. that the front runner never wins, right? So for Oppenheimer, right. it needs yeah. to not be the front runner if it wants to win, because they always, nowadays, the Twitter people like to go for the scrappy underdog, right? That's their whole thing. Mm-hmm. So whatever Matt Negley is predicting now, in a couple of months, he's not going to be predicting that anymore, you know? Um, Speaking of scrappy, if you, I don't know if you consider Poor Things a scrappy underdog, but Poor Things is having its big premiere this evening at the New York Film Festival, or oh, its first okay. big screening. And I, of course, the critics have already seen it in, their, in the Walter Reed the press screenings. Mm. But um, that's that's happening tonight, and I think you're going to start to feel that energy from whatever that whether that film connects with folks who are you know paying for tickets. Uh, you know, we're going to maybe start to see what kind of 
ripples in the water, in the pond water yeah. that, that that film is generating. I, I think for what the last... Think? What's your mother going to say? Since, since, yeah, exactly. Since COVID, the, you know, the Oscar race mm-hmm. has just been so about film Twitter. You know, it's been so about this tiny little world, making the Oscars, mm-hmm. picking the winners, uh, you know, right. before it ever even gets to voters, you know, the whole race has pretty mm-hmm. much been decided. Um, and it was, sure mm. would be nice if that wasn't the case, if it had something to do with the public still, but it doesn't. But um, poor things. What would my mom think of? I think she would think it was kind of funny. You know, it is really funny. Weird a little bit, but funny. Yeah. yeah. The weird part I mean, is... She knows, she's familiar with all Frankenstein things. She, she would, and she's obviously, uh, you know, relates to, you know, the kind of mad sexuality that, that Emma Stone gets into. I mean, we all understand that. We all had our periods of yeah, mad sexuality. Yeah, exactly. My years, mom so certainly did. My mom was of that era, right? Um, but the, the only right. weird part about that movie that I think is, is going to be something that's going to be tricky for them to deal with it, ultimately, is that the, the child brain and sexuality part of it that that's the part that I think is going to, you know, weird people out a little bit um, that she's, she's got this baby brain and she's, you know, uh, an adult body and she's feeling all this sexuality, you know? Um, she's a woman. I'll just be clear to the listener, just the premise. She is a woman who was in a horrible marriage and she jumped off a bridge and she, I guess died. And the uh, doctor, Dr. Frankenstein played by Willem Dafoe, takes her body but puts a baby's brain into her head so she starts all over that's that's what people should understand when you say yeah that. and she has she started, and, you know because it's written by by men she the first thing that happens mm-hmm. to her is she she discovers that she has this body that is um, attuned to sexuality a fully developed body that can feel sexual pleasure and she chases it you know, for her whole life until she becomes an empowered feminist. It's basically the the Mm -hmm. message of the movie. But the, Mm -hmm. uh, in its own way, it's like Barbie. What did, what did Owen say about it? It's like Barbie, but directed by Marquis de Sade or something like that. It was a friend of ours that said that. Yeah. Mm. Not David Poland, but that's true. Yeah, that's that's a fair way of describing it. Meaning that it's you know that it that it has the same story as Barbie, right? It's it's the same story. It's it's female. Yeah, it's roughly the same story. Yeah, mm-hmm. true, accurate. And yeah. it has the same sort of message about men, right? Like the only good men are these kind of very weak. That's sort true. Of neutral and men in the background. And, and unlike uh, and and like Barbie, she's uh, gotten past the. Uh, I'm going to do what men think, or I'm going to stop reacting to men and, and forge my own identity, yeah. more my own path. That's and which is what Barbie does. So it's kind of similar. Yeah, it's similar. Except just much more sexual. Much more sexual, and and probably upstages Barbie in areas like production design and costumes and makeup and stuff like that. You know. Yeah. So yep. the, all those awards were, were going to be Barbies, and then it switched over to, to yeah. Poor Things, which I think is going to win a lot of those awards. The old Academy, I think, would have liked this better than the new Academy. I have no idea how the new Academy is going to like this movie, you know? Um, but maybe... You mean the new Academy kids, the ones that always vote for identity yeah. and whatnot? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, there has to be some social good being done with the film that they choose, but... At the moment, it does look like it's the main challenger. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. 
So we'll see. But uh, anyway, the, the the train leaves the station tonight, and we're going to see what uh, what people are starting to say. Are you I going to that, see uh, it? At, at, and are you going to the screening? I I would kind of I would kind of like to, but I decided. Um, uh, Basically, Jody has never seen uh, the Palafir, and so I decided that we would go to see that. And as long as we are going into town, we're also, I'm also going to see uh, the uh, Jean Le Carré uh, uh, documentary by Errol Morris called The Pigeon Tunnel, which I saw in Telluride, but I don't think you saw it, correct? Or did you? No, I didn't see it, no. So okay. you're going right. to see Potafu and- at the festival, or is it at, in a theater? Right. It's going to be at the Alice Tully Hall, which is what I, I love the idea of seeing it with so many people in a packed house. That would mm. be great. You can really feel the the mmm vibes, <laughs> the emotion yeah. and all that stuff. So it's going to be going to be great. And I'm she's, looking very she's, much forward to that. Juliet, you know, she's going to be supporting now, right? Supporting. Well, that's what I think. I, I think I read that. Uh, did you read an official that is from IFC Films? Are they saying that that's what they're because they don't usually do Oscar campaigns ever because uh, they don't have the money for it. And I don't I'm trying to put them down. They just don't they can't afford it. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know what it is, but I thought that was one of the stupidest calls from a that's like calling Timothy Hutton and ordinary people a supporting actor. It's his whole movie. It's him from start to finish. Yeah. And there's no question that he's the lead. And they, they made him support him because he's young and because they thought people would go for it. OK, fine. And then and they did go for it. He won the best supporting actor. But mm-hmm. she's she's not uh, in any stretch of the imagination a supporting character. She's the lead. I mean, she's the she's a co-lead certainly. With, uh, she's know, the um, lead. <laughs> she is the lead. But she can't get in uh, okay. in into the best actress race as a lead. No chance. She won't. She won't get nominated. Yeah, I mm-hmm. understand. So if they so want, they're going to call her supporting, even though it doesn't make any sense. But they're, I, I get it. I understand the strategy certainly. Yeah, and and it's still going to be a tough sell on that because I just don't know if she's going to if she if if people are going to like that movie or not. I don't know. Um, or or no, see again, it. my question was: when you say people, you mean the new Academy kids who like to vote for identity issues rather than quality of performance or quality of filmmaking? That's what you mean when you say people, right? I guess so. Yeah, I mean the people that decide the race now, which is film Twitter, right? What? Yeah. The identity it's a, people, yes. It's a depressing thing to see it, the Oscars devolve into that. But but there is no life for them outside of it, right? So it has to be in this group, in this small little world. And in that world, I don't see a lot of excitement for her, even though she totally deserves it. And she's so good in this film. And it is one of the best movies of the year, without a doubt. But it's it's definitely a movie that the older Academy would have liked more than the new Academy. Um. One uh, one mutual friend uh, said it's the, the, that sexuality is going to sell that movie to a lot of people, and it's really uh, pretty uh, pretty out there, unless you're thinking about this in the context of say the early seventies. Oh, uh, you're talking about period. You're talking about poor things. I was talking about pot of foo. I know. I switched the subject. I'm sorry. That's okay. Because there's no sexuality in pot of foo. Some. There's a shot where you're encouraged to associate Juliet Binoche's uh, naked form with a pair. That's true. That's true. That it's more like sensuality. art. Sensuality. But like there's just, you know, softcore porn in. And it did remind me of an early 70s movie, Poor Things. You know, it did. It reminded me of like, mm-hmm. remember that Robert Altman movie, A Wedding? <laughs> 
that was 1980. And what was so, um, what was that? I don't me- I just remember that being about the hang ups and the quiet miseries of people who were attending the wedding. How yeah, I, I just remember because I saw a lot okay. of these movies when the 70s movies when I was a kid with my sister. And, and a lot of them were really overtly sexual, and we just thought it was really funny. That, and I, I, I thought that I recall a, a wedding being that way, very, very sexual, a lot of naked, nakedness, a lot of the Ken mm-hmm. Russell stuff, um, yeah. uh, you know, the sailor who fell from grace to the sea or whatever, don't look now. You know, there used to be just tons of sex in, in film, and it just completely yeah. disappeared. Yeah. Um, but I will say that in this movie, it doesn't really feel sexual and sensual. It feels performative, I thought. You know, she's just going through the motions in, in a lot of these scenes. She's not really feeling any sort of beyond just the stimulation of having an orgasm, you know? I think one of the best lines is, why don't people just do this all the time? Yeah, you exactly. Know? That was yeah. a... Uh... That was kind of funny. She's basically um, a nymphomaniac. I mean, she's a she's the traditional definition of a nymphomaniac. You know, um, a, a overly sexed, you know, woman who just constantly is addicted to having an orgasm constantly. And as women know, yeah. that's not a common trait to have with women. Um, and she talks about sex as what does she call it? Jumping, furious jumping. Isn't that the? Uh, the, the term that she yeah that's i mean that to, to me it. that's the best thing about the movie is the script the lines are so funny and and every time mm-hmm. you hear one and they're just disarming and they make you laugh it, it, and in its own way it is like barbie like if you overthink it too much um it starts to fall apart a little bit but if you just enjoy it for what it is then it can be very funny and mm-hmm. entertaining it's i think it's just meant a lot of it's meant to just be body kind of you know commedia dell'arte kind of funny uh, robust humor, um, mm. but but ultimately it's it's a fairly traditional story for 2023. Female empowerment. We don't need mm-hmm. men, you know. Mm-hmm. Basically, by the end, she doesn't even need men at all, even for sexual pleasure. That's right. She has moved past that whole adventure in her life, and it's and it's that's it. You know, I moved on. So you know, yeah. Uh, by men, I mean, you know, I've had it with them. They're 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 fools. They're knaves. They're little boys. You know, they're controlling, terrible, abusive people who just want to own you and trap. Yeah. You know, um. Right. So basically, the end of that movie is similar to the end of. I always thought that that poor things would be a, a it, the sequel to Barbie would be hilarious if it became poor things. Now that you know, I, mean, I said that last time, so I hate to repeat myself, but it is kind of a funny joke, you know, because she. If she, you know, she suddenly realizes she has a sex organ and then all of a sudden the next, the sequel is Barbie, mm-hmm. Barbie having sex with everybody. <laughs> God, so she of course, wouldn't. you know, if she had been crazy enough and ballsy enough, she it's not in her. Um, but if she had blended the uh, arrows of, of poor things in Barbie, it would be astonishing, that film. I don't know that it would be, have been as big of a hit, but it would have been astonishing to a lot of us yeah but she didn't decide to do that so well she she had to make a movie that was you know mattel friendly right it had to be a movie that they agreed with because they worked with her on it so it couldn't be too offensive it was really basically about rebranding their brand um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um is is there anything else we need to talk is there anything else i wanted to just i wanted to say something publicly 
directly, vocally, to uh, the uh, to the to uh, to George from Europe. The, in my view, a irritating, uh, um, relentless asshole who I became so sick of when I said to him uh, on the HE comment threads, uh, he's been around for quite some time, <laughs> and it's not his despicable Trump loyalty or anything. It's basically that he's obnoxious, and I really don't think he's very... He mentions uh, racial matters. I just really, really don't like him, but I said, listen, man, I've said this in so many words. Leave Christy Coulter, who am I uh, admire and respect greatly, and do not dismiss her or diss her or being just just be a gentleman. And he refused to do that. And I said, that's it. It just tore it. And that's why I want him out. I don't want to hear or see of him. And I know I'm going to have to go through because he keeps reinventing himself. He comes up with well, new what what I you know I handles. missed it because I don't I will admit that I don't read every single comment or every single post. I don't look at them, but the George posts that I've seen, the comments that I've seen have been not that bad. They're just kind of funny. No, he sometimes he's on the money, but he's other times he's very, very primitive. In well, any, well, what does he say to Christie? Deeply annoying fashion. Well, well look, I said just leave her the fuck alone. I know, but, but like, for example... Leave her. But can you give me an example? Well, just... she said something, but she said something about the death of my son's dog, Joey. And she said, I've been through it myself. I've had that, that agony with, a, uh, with a, a pet. And he responded, it's always about you. And that's just, that's just it. When he said that, I said, I saw red. And I said, this, well, I, this guy I, you know, not I almost not gonna let him back. Okay, but almost. Huh? I would just want to say this: almost every one of your commenters treats me like that. Every one of them. They're all awful the time. to you, Sasha. I agree. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, and they're, they're never going to get banned, are they? So, uh, why, why this? I mean, I, I understand if you want to keep your your comment section sanitized, but look at all the people that are coming to your defense now. All these crazy people. These are all the worst people in your comment section that are applauding you over this. And I understand and how she feels. You're, you're, I don't even read the comments because they're so toxic back to me. I just say what I say and I leave. Right. But there's this attitude right. that I deserve it and Christy Coulter doesn't. Well, it's a messy world. You know, either you can take it or you can't. Um, I, I don't get I why all of a sudden. But I, but I just, all I know is that I, I just won't go. I won't, that's it. I will not tolerate this, this asshole any more and i hope he's listening to this or he hears that i've said but what what is the no I, I, how, I don't know I'm, I'm missing the christy coulter thing like is this somebody you know in real life like why is she so no. protected and and precious why is because she, i respect her i respect her as a writer and as a decent person i you can i i know exactly what i'm talking about i know what decency is and i really hate uh loose uh, uh crude uh, you know, All right, then you should put paper. a you should put a comment policy on there because a lot of people act like that. It's just that they don't act like that to her specifically. So you feel protective of her. I understand that. That's good. Um, but you did, but you don't treat everybody else that way. Um, you don't protect everybody else in your comments. People section. come after me and say things that I think are ridiculous and infantile 
and junior high school level or whatever, I just I come right back to them immediately. I say, you realize that you're that you're, there's something wrong with you, right? You understand that you're 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 intemperate, you're you're you're, you're kind of loathsome. Well, I guess I guess you, you should you should ask yourself, what's in your ideal world? What kind of comment section do you want? Because as long as I've known you. Going back to the old days when people like Devin used to comment, you know, you used to mm-hmm. have much more commenters than you do now. And um, yeah. and it was always a toxic place. Everybody knew that. That was part of the well, fun I, of I, it. I, I, so then what you're saying is I am inconsistent. I can, I am, you are inconsistent. I, I am, uh, you know, um, I contain multitudes. So, okay. I contain multitudes and I'm inconsistent. Yeah. But breeze. why? I don't, I, under- I don't care. Yeah. I'm so I get rid of them. That's fine. Do it. I, I don't understand why. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm confused as to the, the simultaneous him. I wanting said to- in so many words, leave her alone. Stop being ugly or dismissive or attacking her or whatever. And he went right ahead three days, four days later and attacked her. So that's it. Well, I know, but but is it true? Is it true that it's always about her? Is that an actual factual truth? No, she was talking about a dog who had died, a dog of hers and the pain that she and her partner were feeling. And uh, there's absolutely no necessary response that, that says, oh, it's always about you, isn't it? You know, that, that's, I just find it despicable. Despicable. Mm. And I, maybe because I was also coming from a very emotional place. Because I, I haven't loved a dog and had as long a relationship with a dog um, as Joey. I, I've known him since Jet got him about 12 years ago. Yeah. And I, he's been, uh, you know, and he, every time I come over to dog sit, he knew he knew me as well as I knew him, and he, you know, we were just he just wouldn't leave me alone. It was constant affection, constant sleeping next to me, Aww, everything. Oh, so sweet. Yeah, I, just I know. Felt, I remember uh, you used to worry for him when you had to put him in the basement, and he hated it so much, and you'd get so sad. You, you, about you'd him. get very upset, You're howling with anger when I would uh, go out just for groceries or whatever. <laughs> Oh, I know. You're a stronger person than I am. I couldn't I couldn't withstand that at all. But I'm sorry about Joey. There's nothing worse. I, I'm so attached to my dogs that I know when they die, it's going to be really, really hard to deal with that. Really, really hard. Um, uh, not to poke the, this bear, but uh, uh, how are they uh, age-wise? They're, they're, well, they're about 10 years life. old. I, I will give you this suggestion about your comments. This is what I've done when I've had situations where there were comments that I couldn't control. They would just keep coming. Um, yep. I eventually alienated a lot of those people just with my own views, and they've left. So, But um, mm-hmm. I was always hoping I could bring in you know, more people of a different sort of mindset than the ones that had, were dominating the, the comment section because they... They they didn't want me to write a certain way. I remember a lot of them left after I said I wasn't going to say LGBTQIA anymore. That I was just going to say the gay community. Because I don't want to keep doing that. I don't want to keep playing that game. You know, it's like it keeps getting longer and longer and adding and there's a demand. It's LGBTQ plus is what I understand to be. Nobody says IA, do they? Yeah, they do. They say all that stuff. Anyway... I don't do that because I think it's a weird game and it's a, it's about power and it's a demand and a command. And you should say what you think and what you feel. People shouldn't tell you what to say. But um, anyway, so I lost a lot of them for that and that's fine. I don't care. But, mm-hmm. um, but what I would do if they ever got really bad and out of hand is I just put on moderation. And then they can't get through. And then I, you, have to, you do have to sit there and watch your comments and, and accept them. 
but it, mm-hmm. it lasts a couple of days and then they learn the lesson and then they don't come back at you anymore. If you have to, like the New York Times moderates their comments, for instance. And, um, yes. and so people have mm-hmm. to be, people have to be polite because they won't accept your comment if it isn't, it'll just get, go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. that's one way you can deal with that. You don't get so many comments that you couldn't handle it. It does take extra time for you. But um, but you can selectively approve comments if you'd like to do it that way. Well, what I've been doing is I've been on a George hunt for the last two days, and and I'm constantly going into the each story and and deleting him and then re-banning him, and I keep doing it. Yeah, I know, know it's keep, it's pointless though, Jeff, because he can always just make up new identities. Um, well, he's trying to wear me out. And I'm going to wear him out. Well, so you don't have to waste just, your time that way. Just put comments on moderation. And then you don't even have to accept, approve his comments. Um, and you do I don't that know for, what you mean by, by comments on moderation. What does that mean exactly? Well, you, you go on the, just where I showed you before, remember where you put the guest thing? Yes, right. I, on, right. Like, on that yeah, same yeah. area is a place where it says... You can check it to say a comment must be approved before being published. That means I have to approve each and every comment that comes along? Well, what 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 takes more time, doing that or doing a George hunt? I'd rather just kill George. I, 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 All right. That, well, I'm you know. just giving you an option that if yeah. you want, because the, the moderating shuts them down immediately. It goes totally silent. Because they know they can't, you know, drive by, do a drive by. That means I have to go in and approve each one all the time. That's I don't want to do that. Well, not all the time, just for a little while until it, it calms down. No. That's what yeah. I did anyway, and it worked like a charm. Mm-hmm. And I kept threatening them, if you keep this up, I'm going to have to moderate comments. Right. And it was the only thing that stopped it. Can I ask you one last thing before we come to a close here? Do you know exactly what the maniacs in the House are looking to accomplish by shutting the government down? My my understanding is that they want spending on certain social issues to be uh, stopped. Because <laughs> you watch MSNBC, that's what you think. Um, no, the I guess it's it's. I mean, you cannot get truth from them, Jeff. You have to stop watching that station. They're not telling you the truth. They'll tell you to antagonize and and whip up hysteria and divide everybody. But what they want is 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 uh they don't want they want to cut the spending not on social programs. It's it's mainly about the Ukraine sending endless billions of dollars to Ukraine. I I disagree with that strongly. Well, okay, but that's what it's about. It's not about, you know, they'll always say, "Oh, it's about cutting the food for the homeless mother, the homeless Latina, you know, Latinx mother who you know, relies on food stamps or else she's going to die. You know, that's what they say in the media is what they're doing. I'm not saying I'm for them, by the way. I am not, despite what people think about me, I'm actually not a conservative. I am a, you know, I, I sympathize with them. I have humanized them. They're my friends. I listen to them. I don't treat them like human garbage. But my beliefs are my own private beliefs. And, and when it comes to this particular argument, um, I think it's... The left does whatever they want and behaves in whatever way they want and throws fit after fit after fit and gets a total pass from the media. Mm-hmm. And uh, when the right does it, it's it's terrorism. <clears throat> you know, they're just participating in our democracy, fighting for what they want, and they have every right to By do that. By shutting the entire mechanism of the government, it's not shut down. They 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 save. I it. know it's forty five days. It's been extended. Yeah. I 
It's messy. Democracy is messy, right? It's, it's it's look at where the status quo has gotten us. We have this bloated leviathan of an administrative state. Um, mm. And it's, it's policing citizens and censoring social media. And, you know, it's, if you want a government for the people of the people and by the people, it's going to get messy. You know, mm. that's what the squad taught us anyway. Right. It was okay. When they did it, they got like glowing stories on the cover of, magazines when they were, you know, having fits in Congress. Mm. Um, I just would say that I would always double check the story, you know, and get get the story if you can from different sources to figure out what the truth is. I'm not saying they're right or wrong, right? But I am saying that the way the media covers them. And and by the way, here's a funny thing to know. Uh, I watched in real time, I watched Trump's speech, then I watched how the media relayed Trump's speech. And they were. Which speech is that? Which one? He just gave some speech. I don't know. Oh, the GOP, some some California speech. I don't know. I watched the whole speech, and then I watched how the media reflected it back to to the users on Twitter, and how they cherry picked the things he said and and took them out of context. When he meant as a joke, they took literally, and and people got all enraged. And I was like, that's not what he said. That isn't how he said mm-hmm. it. So you can like watch it in real time how they distort. Uh, the reality. I personally am comfortable knowing the truth, and so I like to do that, but I know most people aren't. I think of you as a um, very free-thinking uh, independent, and I don't think of you as a uh, as a quote-unquote uh, conservative, and uh, I respect that, you're, that you've staked out your own positions on things, and you're not falling for what you see as bullshit in some respects. I completely respect that. So, Thank you. Um, I, I do too, except for I wish you would stop watching MSNBC. That's the only thing. You think what do you think I do? Jump down and watch NBC every no, second? No, I, I think it's just column? in the back. It's just the background that's giving you the information, you know, and I think that there's that you can't do that anymore. And besides, you know how many people watch MSNBC? Like a million, and that's it. And, mm-hmm. and they're just people are tuning them out because they can't stand it anymore, you know? I don't really watch. Uh, what I do is because um, I'm not really watching television very much itself. Is that I only watch TV for streaming of movies and and for um, you know Bill Maher and the occasional documentary, but mostly I just watch stuff on the on the 15 inch uh, MacBook Pro. That's pretty much it. Like YouTube so, stuff, YouTube yeah. clips, and things like that. Yeah, anything, anything, everything. Yeah. I do the same. Do you think that's the future? Like, I mean, are we at a point now where television is just fading out and all we have is like online stuff? I think we are at that point. I think it's largely it's really that with me. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think you're right. Yes. Kind of wild, huh? Yeah, that, uh, you know, that the televisions are, are, are magnificent, uh, 65, 75. I wish I had an 80 inch to watch great movies on because it, there's nothing like it. And I love the idea of uh, the 8K, 80 inch oh, God. and 90 inch. I'd love that, that that's out there. And if I could afford it, I would buy it in a second. But uh, that's just for movie watching the quality of uh, well-mastered, uh, you know, 4K movies. I, I love that. But otherwise, it's all... Well, I'll computer. tell you this. I watched Sideways last night on my TV. I have a really nice TV that I bought. It's um, How o- big is it? It's an OLED, right? LED. That's that's about as good as it gets. OLED, yeah. Yeah, and it's 65-inch, it. and I watched yeah. Sideways, and I have never... I've seen that movie at least mm-hmm. 100 times, probably. But I never seen it so crisp and high def like that, or I could see 
and in not high def in that really ugly way that sometimes it is, you know, but but really high def in just Virginia Madsen's face. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. quite something. It was almost like watching a whole new movie. It was yeah. so clean and clear. I'm uh, I'm delighted by how good some films look on, on 4K. Uh, the 4K remastering of Hitchcock's Rebecca is absolutely magnificent. Yeah. It's one of the most beautiful things. God, just every, everything. It's, it's, all, it's just perfect. Um, about and, uh, Sideways, by the way, I was thinking yeah. how different. That movie came out in 2004. Right. And think of how different, like the iPhone, I think, came out in t- 2007. Mm-hmm. And social media rose around that same time. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those sites. So Sideways is a movie that couldn't exist in that era. Right? What because era? in the Instagram, social media, cell phone, Our, smartphone. Current era is what you mean. Yeah, because he, yeah. the only phone they have is this flip phone that they barely take with them. Like he mm-hmm. leaves it in the hotel room when he goes and does his thing. When they're in public, people aren't don't have their phones out and staring at their phones. They're all talking to each other because that wasn't invented then. We didn't mm-hmm. have that then. Mm-hmm. Um, and and everything that he does in that movie, I'm talking about not Miles but the other Jack, mm-hmm. wouldn't happen in the era of cell phones and social media. Like there's no way that he would be able to avoid no- them knowing who he was, who he was with. Pictures that were taken of him, put online. Not to mention all the social media announcements of his upcoming wedding, everything. Yeah, the wedding, yeah. and and yeah. she would want his cell phone number, and she would Google his name. Sure. Um, it, you know, like that the movie just wouldn't, you couldn't have that movie anymore. Like mm-hmm. that, that, that's the big transformation that's happened to our culture is that exact moment, that 2007 mm-hmm. moment of social media and iPhones and everybody having surveillance uh, capabilities on there. Yep. Um, so I thought that was really funny because it was like one of the movies made at the last moment before everything changed. Mm-hmm. And if you watch it from that perspective, you'll see what I'm talking about. I'll never forget, and I, um, I and in the current performance that Paul Giamatti has in The Holdovers, that same look, that look of immense frustration and lament about the about humans and their behaviors. Uh, he's he's kind of disgusted by the kids who are entitled and have rich dads and they they don't really work hard and and all that. <clears throat> and he's um, he's so he's so weighed down by the terrible realization of what jack is doing with with um with with, uh, with what's her name you know he's having this mm. affair and telling her uh, that he loves her and he wants to like move up there and be her be the new dad it's like it's awful it's awful what <laughs> happens but i but i but I, and and i but i understand at the same time that men are animals and that's what that's unfortunately the way the way it rolls sometimes but that look on paul giamatti's face when he realizes Oh God! I've got to put up with this. I got to pretend everything's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's just. I think it's kind of darkly hilarious. I, I do too. I love it, and I love the fact that that it could be made at all. That they would tell that story on screen, and that he would make that character. It just wouldn't. They wouldn't tell that story. Today. I was just looking at it, thinking, God, we have net left no room for human behavior, for human complexities, for flaws, for masculinity on screen. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's an exaggerated version of of that. Right, he's a womanizer, whatever it is. Um, totally different yep. in the book, by the way, than he is in the movie. Though everything's different about it, but um, but you know, it's a great movie because there is no good and bad in it. I mean, except for the women, but but there's really no good and bad uh, 
where the men are concerned. It's just they're mm-hmm. friends. They put up with each other's, you know, imperfections <clears throat> and flaws. My right. daughter's favorite shot in that movie, and I love this, that, she, that this is her favorite shot because she has such a forgiving heart for being a Gen Zer. Mm-hmm. But it's the shot at the wedding at the end when, you know, he goes through this whole thing. He's got this bandage on his nose and he fakes the car accident so he can lie and say he was in a car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just at the wedding and, and he's his best man. And he looks over at him, you know, uh, Jack looks over at Miles just. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he, he smiles a little bit. And it's just it's this beautiful scene because it's like, OK, all all is forgiven now, of course, we don't live in that kind of a culture now. We live in a very punitive, judgmental, you know, they would just savage this movie. Right. But just the fact that you have these, you know, varying degrees of, of, of flaws and imperfections and people aren't perfect. And I just, that's what I love about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you can't agree and go along and say, oh, it's great that he's doing that. Because it isn't, mm-hmm. you know. But on mm-hmm. the other hand, Stephanie, you know, uh, you know, women often take out their own culpability in a situation. You know, if you meet a guy at a wine tasting and the first thing he's doing is has a hand hand down your shirt and wants to sleep with you and stuff, that doesn't always mean he's going to be the most faithful, honest guy in the world, right? Like you're yeah. you're putting yourself in a situation that's potentially um, hurtful to you. Mm. Um. And who yeah, believes she's, she's pretty eager, eager beaver with him when they eager first go beaver. Out to, and and yeah. who believes a guy that says he's gonna you know move up there and be? I've been that way. I was once on a street in um, New Orleans with my sisters, and I was mm-hmm. in my early twenties. And and there was this guy who was super drunk, so drunk he couldn't even stand up. And he kept saying to me, "I want to, I want to marry you. I want to build you an A-frame." And I wanna, I want us to have this happy life. Would you, would you go with me? Would you come with me? And and I'll build you an A-frame. And I, it's always stuck with me because, of course, nothing didn't go with him, and and nothing ever happened between us. But I just thought, you know, you can't always believe people when they tell you things like that. Like if he's saying he's gonna move up there and be the father in like a situation that's happened over a twenty-four hour period, you can't believe a guy like that. You know? No, you can't believe drunks in general. You know, it's one thing if he's sober as a judge over a breakfast table at 11 o'clock in the morning and a cup of coffee. That's something. <laughs> that's one thing. But not a drunk in the French Quarter. Good heavens. Who's, who's <laughs> having sex with you. But, but you know, the fact that she believes him, you know, it's, it's she's hopeful and she wants this happy ending. But it is yeah. a little unrealistic, you know. And she brought her mother in. Her mother approves also. Jack's a good guy. He <laughs> yeah. likes the daughter, you know. And it's such a funny scene that he's got, you know, she's... Sandra O, oh, so she's Asian. The mother's yeah. white, and the and the daughter's uh, like mixed race or half black or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure why he did that. It's not the case in the book. Both the women are are white in the mm-hmm. book. Um, very different women, mm-hmm. but I mean, very different. There's actually a scene where one of them has a shotgun and is chasing them down with the with the shotgun. Um, I can't remember which one, but the movie's so much better. But I always wondered about that. Why did why did why did Alexander Payne make that choice with those characters? Because he was wanted to be in the forefront of what he sensed was coming in terms of like, um, uh, you know, social justice, wokeness. He wanted to be, you know, he, he didn't see any problem with going along with that and to blend things up a little bit in terms of different sizes, shapes, colors, you know. Yeah, maybe, maybe because they didn't want it to just be a strictly white movie. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. 
All right. Well, All right. Uh, this is, uh, I, I tell you, before we talk today, and I was thinking, well, we can get into this, today. but altogether, this is a pretty good uh, discussion. It really was, it was good. I, I had fun, so I'm glad we see we have this good, easy way of talking to each other. So I'm, I was I'm very little, happy. A little on the subdued side compared to our usual thing, but um, we argued a little bit. Argued about George. <laughs> George, <laughs> I actually like George, and I wish he wasn't. I mean, I don't like that he's mean to Christy. She's a nice person and doesn't deserve that. But you know, yeah. cry me a river. Everybody's mean to me every single day of my life online. You know. Yeah. I get I get chat upon and belittled and and mocked constantly, constantly Every fucking day of my life for the last fifteen years. It's been, you know, I, I but I just you know, like like you should you just give it right back to them, you know, you and 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 not not give into just pure anger, which is what my first reaction is, but tell them exactly how he's an idiot. One way in which you're they're 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 being morons, and it it feels better. When I say that, when I, I guess so. Them. I don't engage myself with that. I don't. Life's too short mm. to 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 have fights with people about things. You know, I I feel that way. But anyway, um, all right. Listen, okay. have a good day. I'm staring sure. at a beautiful sunshine outside. Nature everywhere. It's really lovely. And you're part of the woods, yeah. right? Uh huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hit the here. Also, it's very extremely pleasant. I mean, the the torrential rains of two days ago are. Are in the past. Oh, good. Finally. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, okay. enjoy your weekend. You too. Take care. All Bye. right. Bye.